Hello and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod, the latest edition coming at you during half term. I guess you've been uh, been reasonably busy, haven't you, Berv? I have been pretty busy most mornings during this half term, which is, has been nice. We've been running the Girls Rugby Club um, half term squad and we've had so many different players on to host a variation of either a workout or... We had Shauna Brown yesterday who did a session on confidence and why it's important and how you get it. We had Emily Scarrett cook us brunch. And yeah, we've had all sorts. We had Lauren Delaney doing a, a cooking course on Tuesday, on Wednesday, sorry. Um, and we're finishing up today with Eleanor Snowstill. So yeah, it's been really busy, um, but really good for, for all the young girls out there. And boys, I should say. that We have, had, we have got boys on the, on the squad as well. Oh, right. Okay, great. Um, good, it sounds, sounds like it's been, uh, been good fun. Um, some huge news coming out of South Africa. Um, not that we knew this before um, we planned our guest for today. South African player Zinhel Nwande. Um, but that's off the back of the news yesterday. Did you see this? That um, South Africa have announced their first ever high-performance manager... Razi Erasmus said the role and appointment was made after a critical re-evaluation of South African rugby's approach to women's rugby. Not before time, but what a positive step. And the lady taking that role is a good friend of the pod, Lynn Cantwell. That is massive news for South Africa, isn't it? Oh, it's an unbelievable appointment. Um, you know, with everything that Lynn has done since she retired from playing, it sets her up to, to make such a big impact. And she takes such great knowledge from the roles of working with the Sport of Ireland, taking all of that knowledge and experience to a country like South Africa where they're developing. And as you said then, they're now having a, they've had a critical re-evaluation. She's going to make such an impact very quickly. Um, and what good timing leading into this year with the Rugby World Cup. I'm really, really um, pleased for her. And like for South Africa Rugby Union to outsource, look at um, who's out there to actually really make an impact. And, you know, Lynn's been part of the high performance um, women's rugby program with World Rugby. So, you know, I'm, I'm really, really proud of, of the, the steps that she's made. And to be in a role like that is unbelievable. And I wish her all the best. Yeah, and obviously there's commitment both sides because Lynn, you know, young family, um, and she wouldn't be, be be taking the whole family down to South Africa. So it wasn't really really serious. So it, it's a it's a brilliant brilliant move. We've also got some audio from the press conference, so let's take a listen to the announcement now from the South African Rugby Union and this exciting news about women's rugby. We did a proper strategic planning about a year and a half ago and, and we all agreed that women's rugby should be really prioritised really high. And from that meeting, uh, that EXCO strategic meeting with leadership, you know, uh, women's rugby was, was ranked the second highest priority in our organisation, even higher than the Blitzbocker and higher than, you know, the that junior Springboks and SA schools, it, it was the second highest priority. But we needed somebody to, to, to steer the ship and to, you know, have, have experience and knowledge of this. So we embarked on getting somebody and, you know, we're happy to say we have Lynn appointed as a high performance manager now. But I think for what, what appealed to me about the, the role um, was the intention by Rassi and, and Charles and Yuri to commit at a leadership level to its future. 
um, and I, and I wouldn't be be doing it if if it wasn't that. So yeah, like it's it's very helpful to have a, a different shade of green. But like genuinely, I'm I'm fully committed to making a difference from a from a woman's rugby point of view because I see it just got massive massive potential. But I think this is a, a very strategic role, and and I think my my role is is about about performance in the future. To do that, I have to. I have to understand where the gems of knowledge are in, in what's happened in the past and then then build build what we need to do towards trying to, to create a women's spring box performing team um, in 2025 and in, in 2029. And following on from that, actually today's guest, we, we didn't actually know about South Africa's announcement. We're planning to, to talk to South African players um, and get a little insight as to what's going on in South Africa as they lead up to the World Cup, of course, in that same pool as England, France and Fiji. And I caught up with Zinga the one day, a little bit earlier on, who juggles being an international test rugby player and being a firefighter as well. It is a great, great pleasure um, to introduce on a week which uh, South African rugby, women's South African rugby is... At the forefront with some incredible news to have one of their players on the line all the way down there in sunny South Africa. Zinge, good morning to you. How are you? Hey, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. All the better for, for hearing your cheery voice. Um, <laughs> how, how no, I'm great, thanks. I'm just at work here in South Africa. It's actually 11 o'clock. In the morning, so I'm at work. Just did uh, just hit a session now, so I'm just going to carry on with my duties now. All right. Well, I've got lots to ask you, and we'll, we'll get back to to what you do during the day. But um, obviously, the, the the first thing is to say how things in South Africa. Obviously, that the world is in a in a very strange place at the moment. Everybody uh, with you and your family will have you. Everybody safe and well. Yeah, we are okay, so thanks for asking. Obviously, with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we have been under a lot of strain. Uh, there's people who've lost close friends, who've lost uh, the loved ones. We've also been affected um, in many ways, sport-wise. We've been affected, uh, entertainment and business. Um, but personally, uh, with rugby, obviously, we, we are used to being on the field and training and running around. So it quite limited us to and, and strained us a bit to actually train at home. And sometimes you would train at home and feel as if you're not doing anything because you you, you want to go to you want to be in the field and you want to be running, doing all those fitness and and, and conditioning uh, to help you obviously to get fit. But I must compliment uh, our management team together with Saru because during this whole pandemic, they've organised programs for each and every player um, in different provinces where you have to. Uh, follow the program, whether it's a home workout, um, nutrition programs that they did for us to make sure that we are eating healthy. And luckily for me, because I was on one of the frontline workers, so I, I went to work um, obviously four days in and I'll, I'll rest the four days off. So during my four days at work, because there's so much space to use and utilize, uh, I made sure that I, I utilize anything that I can find in the fire department and anything that can actually help help me up my fitness level. All right. Well, you've given us a little insight there as to what keeps you busy away from the rugby field, and and that's being a a, a firefighter. Yes, definitely. (laughs) 
do you do you enjoy that? Because I, I I I I've got a friend who's a as a firefighter over here in the UK, and what he always talks about is is the camaraderie and the, and the team team spirit within a very intense situations. Yeah. Obviously, there are lots of parallels to draw with rugby there. Yeah, it is. Um, to be honest with you, I, I I never wanted to be a firefighter at first because I started uh, studied sport management. So I wanted to to be involved with sports as much as I was playing sport, but I wanted to be in the management side of it. Unfortunately, after doing my national diploma in sport management, I couldn't find a job. So I said, okay, let me just find whatever it is that I can do at the moment so that I'm able to sustain my family because I live with my mom and my younger sister. So I'm the eldest at home and I have to look after them. So I saw a post at King Shala International Airport where I applied. Um, yeah, I did the fitness testing. Quite a, It was quite a run through because I, I have been used to running and doing all the, the, the fitnesses with rugby. So I passed with flying colors and... Uh, starting to work as a firefighter, learning that you are not there only to to just uh, switch fires, but you, you are there to save someone's life, to make someone's day. So when I was busy doing training and 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 getting that physicality and getting that getting to to get into the fire, getting to those risk taking the risk and helping people's life, that's when I started developing the passion um, and the love for 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 firefighting, just that just as I do have for 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 rugby and one question that people always ask me a lot is how do you then balance or uh, how how is your rugby career then affected because you're doing rugby and and you're doing um firefighting as well how does that now come together um and one thing for me is that uh rugby has the same sentiment as firefighting uh, firefighting uh, does because when you're a firefighter firstly one thing you need to do is you can never go in a building or in a situation alone so that's uh, simply means that you need the person next to you in order to survive. So we need each other. It's like in a rugby game, when for us to score a try, we need the forwards to do the work. Um, we need the 10 to obviously pass the ball to 12, 12 to pass the ball to 13, and so on, and see where we can penetrate and actually get to, into a gap where we can score. So that's like that's teamwork as well. So for me, they go hand in hand because it, it's the same thing with rugby. It requires you to be to be fit physically and mentally. Firefighting requires the same thing. It requires you. It requires you to be to be able to work with another person, to, to, to have a partnership and, and be a family and trust each other. Same with rugby. It requires the same thing because for, for us to score a try, I need to trust that the number 10 can actually um, hit the penalty throughs for us to get those three points or, or those two points. I have to trust that the forwards can do their job in the scrum for us to actually win the game or to, to, to go and score a try. So I enjoy rugby so much. I enjoy being a firefighter as well. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's it never re- it's never really a strain. Um, instead, it, it, it's more of a benefit or an advantage because the, even when I'm at work, I'm able to continue with my program, which I'm given by Saru and and, and the management team from the Springbok Women. So they, they've been helping me a lot as well. I've also the firefighting space has been helping me a lot in terms of, of fitness as well. Brilliant. Yeah, it sounds like they, they, they do very much go, go hand in hand. If we can, just turn our attention to to matters on the field. Some really, really big news coming out of, out of South Africa, and um, it's something that 
we've almost been waiting for uh, for for a while. I remember covering um, the South African ladies in 2010 in the World Cup, and just <coughs> just the psyche around women's rugby in the country wasn't right. Now, now ye- yesterday's announcement. We're recording this on on Friday the 19th. Um, Lynn Cantwell, uh, a lady who we know very well here on the pod and I personally know very well, uh, Irish legend, is going to come in as the first ever high performance um, director for for women's rugby. Just what a statement is that for for women's rugby down in South Africa? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, It's it's quite a big step, um, especially as you have said, Lynn has been an Irish legend and she's been on the industry, she's been on the food, she understands what's, what's happening, she understands the issues that we as women go through. Um, so I think with her coming in, it would be a lot of help, especially for, from someone who's been on the field, because sometimes people don't understand what we, especially we women who play male-dominant sports, the things that we go, we, we, we go through and the challenges that we face. So if you have been in that situation and you understand the, the circumstances and, and, and the challenges that women face, then it's easy for you to come in, in, into, a, into a department and actually say, no, listen, these women are having problems with one, two, and three. Um, so this needs to change, and that needs to change. And I think it's it's, it's a big, big, big um, um, uh, money in the pocket for for us, the Springbok women's team, because obviously with the world with the World Cup uh, coming up, we are looking we are looking to have a whole lot of changes. We are looking to have a whole lot of uh, positivity, and obviously a whole lot of help coming from 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 the people, also helping them to make sure that we are well prepared uh, prepared to actually go to the World Cup and not just go there to, to, to add numbers, but go there and perform. So that obviously leaves a lot of work with, with the people on, on top of the management. Um, are we getting enough equipment? Are we getting enough camps to, to help us prepare for the World Cup? Are we getting enough games? And all of that. And I think everything is going to be sorted perfectly and we, we're trusting that when we go to the World Cup, we'll be um, the perfect team, obviously, to perform and, 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 and bring more what we as South African women can bring into the table. Brilliant. You speak with such such passion. It, it's very infectious. Um, you're, you're waking me up in a, in, a, in a fantastic mood here in the in the UK. Um, Zine, if 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 you if you, th- you don't know about South African rugby, what? What is the, the the funnel, the pyramid that goes up to you know, obviously yourself? You're you're a Springbok woman. What, what what is the pathway in South Africa, the different regions and what have you? Just just, just give us a little oversight as to how you make that progression, how yeah. rugby is structured in South Africa. So yeah, we do have. There's not much uh, rugby that is playing schools because I remember even when I, I I got selected to play for the under 16s, I was still in high school. But I think there were only a few teams of schools, that, um, especially high schools. That play rugby but um they've changed that we they've developed the ytc the past years we, we had YTC, ytc which is youth training centers where they start training these young girls at, at their young age where they have teams of under 16s and under 18s in each and every province so you have maybe in kzn there's under 16 in western province and lions in Joburg and, and so forth so these teams then play against each other and obviously before they even go to tournaments they, they they're just kids they just started playing rugby so they get to be taught a lot of skills and, and, and they get to be developed in terms of, of rugby. But senior side, we have clubs in each and every province, so these clubs play against each other uh, throughout the year. And then the let's say I choose KZN since I'm from KZN, so we have five clubs in KZN or six or seven. 
um, depending on the teams that are there. So these teams will play against each other, and then the Kazakhstan coach obviously will select players that he thinks he um, he wants on 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 the on the interprovincial team. Uh, so what happens now is he selects the players, and then he selects the squad. Then the squad goes and plays against other provinces. Now we're talking Western Province, we're talking K, um, we're talking Lions, we're talking Border. So now these are provincial teams. So we started from club, from a, a, a single uh, province. We, we went to uh, many provinces, and then when we play our provincial games, that's we. The, the, the senior or the SA coach looks at our game. He also comes to our games to see the players that he can select to come and be part of the squads that, that the squad that that he wants. We then get invited into a camp where the, we get told quite a lot of things and we play against each other. We, we, we also play against boys, <laughs> which is yeah funny, but it, it, it's good. <laughs> I love it. I love playing against boys to give them a challenge a bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we play against boys, and then obviously the coach will then select a squad that will go. Maybe if we have a test match, that will represent um, South Africa in that test match, and so forth. Right. Okay. Brilliant. I'm conscious of your time. You're at work, and I don't know. We we have a joke over here with with firefighters that um, when they're not working, they're, they're playing <laughs> they're playing pool or, or playing darts or volleyball or something like that. So. <laughs> I, I don't want to keep you oh, from, watching TV. Yeah, I don't want to keep you from the from the television program. But just a couple more questions, if I may, Um Your your journey uh, as uh, as an international player. Do do you remember your first cap? Just just take us take us through your little journey to to to, to representing your country and and the feelings around that. Yeah. Well, my journey has been quite a long journey because I grew, uh, I grew up being raised by the by a single parent who was working as a domestic worker yeah. um, at home. So I grew up knowing soccer. I didn't know rugby at all. I, I remember watching rugby on TV and I said to myself, this sport is rough. I would never play the sport because I was so used, play, I was so used to playing um, soccer with the guys. So when I got to high school, that's when I was introduced to, to, to rugby. Um, I started playing touch the first year. Then the second... And I must say, the first time I got to, to be on the field and, and, and to tackle someone and being taught how to tackle a... to pass a ball... Immediately, I just fell in love with rugby. I, 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 I said to myself, "This is what I want to do. This is me. This is it. rugby is challenging. It's very, <laughs> it's very energetic. It's very, um, it's like uh, uh, firefighting. It, it needs you to focus mentally. It needs you when you're tired. It needs you to actually be there." And, and, and try focus. So from 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 that under when I was still sixteen, I, I started having national um, provincial colours at the age of sixteen. We I, I, I played SA games, um, which is games um, that are played around um, the whole pro, around all the provinces in South Africa. Uh, and then I made the de- debut for the Sharks in two thousand and eight, and I've. I've I've, I've managed to be part of um, to be to to be um, uh, a Sharks captain for two years, which was 2016 and 2017. Yeah, the road wasn't easy because I remember the squad that went to the World Cup in 2014. I was actually called up for for for, for one of one or two of those camps, 
Um, I wouldn't say I was still young, but let me just say I was not ready yet because I I, I, I went to those camps but didn't make the final squad, which went to the World Cup in 2014. And that's when I started changing my life because I said to myself, the biggest dream is to obviously, as a player or any player or any young player, is to represent your country. Yes, you represent your club, you represent your province, but the greatest, greatest, greatest gift is to represent your, your, your province. I mean, to represent your, your, your country, which is South Africa. So I said to myself, okay, I haven't met this card for this, for this team. What is it that I'm doing wrong? So that's when I went back and said to myself, okay, I need to decide what I want to do with my life, where I want to be. So I sat down and said, okay, I want to be part of the World Cup. Uh, it doesn't matter which World Cup that comes by, but I want to be part of it. Um, but that just doesn't come with, with just sitting down and saying, I need to be part of the World Cup. But I, I then said to myself, okay, there's a few things that I need to work on. I need to be disciplined, firstly. I need to make sure that I, I work twice as hard. Obviously, I go to training and, and train with the team. But then after the training session of an hour or two with the team, what do I do to better myself, to, to upskill myself? I decided, okay, I need to do extra work because just being on a training field or for that two, one hour or two is not enough. So I needed to do a little bit extra for me to actually be where I wanted to be. I needed to change my, my eating diet. I needed to change the type of friends that I was, uh, was hanging around with because not every one of your, of your friends have, have the same goal as you do. So I made a whole lot of changes with my life. And that's when I started getting call-ups with, um, from the coach, who, uh, Coach Polly, who was coaching the Springbok Women's um, uh, Sevens. And uh, fortunately, and, and, and so blessed to be part of, of, of the Sevens team, I've been in many tournaments with them, Hong Kong, uh, Sevens. I've, I've been in San Francisco for the World Cup, Commonwealth Games. So after the big decision I made for myself, that's when... I started seeing results. That's when I started seeing positivity. That's when I started um, um, having uh, uh, the reward where I'm being called to camp because even the coaches could see that, okay, Zinta is working really hard. You can actually see it and you can you can see it. And she, when she's at camp, you, you see everything that she does, that she does it with effort, uh, she does it with attitude. So that is exactly what they, they needed from um, a player. And I changed that just by simply deciding what I wanted to do with my life. Wow. What a brilliant, what a brilliant story. Truly, truly inspirational stuff for uh, any of our, our young listeners out there. Um, just, just finally then, Zinga, um, you're, you're obviously... World Cup later this year. Um, that's one of your personal goals, as we, we've just heard. How much are you looking forward to to getting down to New Zealand? Should you be selected? Of course, I know you don't want to preempt these things, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> how much? If you were selected, what, what what would it mean to you? And, and how much would you look forward to to being in the in, in the greatest stage of women's rugby? Definitely. Um, as much as I've been to, to the Sevens World Cup, but 15s also is one of the, of the, of the World Cups that I've, I've been wanting to because that's 15. I played 15 before Sevens. So that has been my biggest um, uh, dream ever. So it would mean you know, it, may, it would mean so much to be part of the final squad that's going to be playing in the World Cup in New Zealand this year. Um, obviously, we all know that it, it just doesn't come easy. Nothing um, ever comes easy in life. It's, it's easy if it if it comes easy, then it's, it's going to go past. But if you work hard for it and, and you put all the efforts, it will always be there, and the results will always show that you have been working and and. Um, 
obviously even your performance changes to show that you have been um, doing so much in order to prepare for this. Uh, obviously, looking forward to being in New Zealand. Um, have I been to New Zealand? No, I don't think I have been. <laughs> so looking forward, obviously, yeah, looking forward to be in, in, in New Zealand, seeing different teams, um, seeing uh, different cultures uh, of, of everybody. Obviously, it's a big tournament, so there's going to be such a big atmosphere around um, the whole of New Zealand. So looking forward to enjoy, enjoying that, but also looking forward to, 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 to be part of, of, of the Springbok women's team. I mean, that's pride to say that we have worked so hard and looking at, at, at the amount of work that we have done since 2014 and looking at what the management has helped the, 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 the players to be and, and what we have become um, looking back. It, it's, 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 it's a massive, massive, huge change. So we, we, we are very happy. We are very excited as a team to be part of the World Cup. Um, and yeah, obviously we, we haven't played such a most of the team. Like if you look at our pool, we have, um, France, Fiji and England. England we've played in a test match. Uh, Fiji we've never played. France, I think they've made France in 2014 as well. So it's going to be a bit of, uh, it's not an easy pool, I must say. It's not, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not such a, an easy pool. But if you look at it, England lost in the runners up of the World Cup and then France was, 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 um, the bronze medalist um, on the previous World Cup. So that shows that we are, we, we, we are not going to, to, to just walk. It's not going to be an easy, easy game. It's not going to be three easy games. It's going to be difficult. They are the top team. They are in the, one of the top um, six teams. Uh, and yes, we, that's where we want to be. Um, that's what my sevens coach usually say. We want to play against the best teams for us to actually measure ourselves, um, to see where we are, whether to, to, to also see what we have been, the, the, the work that we have, we have been doing the, the, the past years. We need to play against the, 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 the top team so that we can wear ourselves and see what are we, what are our strengths, how, what are our weaknesses, what can we do best, what, what, what do we need to improve? What do we need to improve on? You know, so I think it's going to be, it's a tough pool, but we looking forward to the tough pool because one, one thing you must know about South Africans is that they, they, they like, they like physicality. So we, we are looking forward to being there and, and, and not just to be there, but to, to, to play, um, our game and, Obviously, the structure that we are told to do. Obviously, we can't we can't analyze and say this. Uh, well, we want to see how England plays, and and how how um, France plays, and what they give to us, and and and, and worry more about them instead of worrying about us, uh, because we haven't been in in, in the in the World Cup for quite some time. So we need to worry about us and what we can do as a team, and what we can bring um, into the World Cup, and what the advantages that we have as a team, and how we can utilize that. Yeah. Wow. Well, do you know what? Um, watch out England, watch out Fiji, watch out France. Because <laughs> if you play as, as passionately and uh, with as much conviction as you, as you speak, Zingay, then um, yeah, there, there will be some, some really, really tough games. No, we'll, we'll leave it there. It's been a, a genuinely a real, real pleasure to, to speak to you this morning. Thank you so much for, for, for your time. Um, I, I know we, we haven't had much news. Um, in the UK and in Europe around South African rugby and certainly not on the podcast so it's brilliant to, to get your take on it and um, yeah all the very best with, with selection and who knows perhaps we'll, we'll see you down in New Zealand in September <laughs> Thank you very much for having me so you have a great day as well Thank you so much you take care
Thanks, bye. Bye bye now. I'm Lynn Cantwell and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. The first sevens tournament of 2021 took place in Egypt last weekend, with Egypt hosting the first women's version of the Arab Sevens. Syria, Lebanon and UAE also took part in the tournament that saw Egypt win convincingly on their return to international rugby after 10 years out. Yeah. Pretty good comeback. <laughs> Isn't it just? Back with a bag. Continuing on the, on the sevens, Madrid this weekend is hosting the sevens tournament, men and women's. Um, on the women's side, Russia, Kenya, Spain, USA, Poland and France all competing. Uh, and there's a great preview of the tournament over with our friends at Scrum Queens. And another fixture we need to tell you about comes from the European Championship. Space, Spain host Russia some 11 months after Russia surprised all by beating Netherlands in the opening round. If they win, and they are, then they are in the European qualifier for the World Cup. If Spain win, then it will be decided next weekend when Spain meet Netherlands. There's a more in-depth look if you want to have a look with our good friends again at Scrum Queens. Yeah, they're everywhere, Scrum Queens, aren't they? Not great news uh, to report regarding the Asia World Cup qualifiers, though. Due to be held in March in Hong Kong, doubling up as the Asian Championship with Japan, Hong Kong and Kazakhstan all involved, they've been cancelled. Now, this could happen in other locations, but time, of course, is running out. It just looks like using the country's world rugby rankings is going to come into, into play. Possibly not ideal, but what else could, can we do in these unprecedented times? And Rugby Canada earlier this month hired an independent investigator and revamped the coaching staff of their Women's Sevens programme after receiving a complaint from the team. The Women's Sevens was coached by former Canadian international John Tate, the director of Women's High Performance at Rugby Canada, but he was not mentioned in the new coaching setup announced. Mike Byrne takes charge and he was, no, he was the former skills coach. Yeah, more news to, to come out of Rugby Canada once that review has been done. Some good news around the men's Six Nations. Um, of course, Joe Neville, the first female TMO Calcutta Cup match back in round one. And Holly Davidson uh, has been refereeing in the Pro 14 as well. So, big up to those, those two officials. And now my French is going to come out. We've got some reporting from France. The girl who met the French and Stade Toulousean has won the Midi Olympique. Is that right? French, the French newspaper, French rugby newspaper player of the year. It was very good. <laughs> How do you say congratulations in French? Um, oh, I got you. <laughs> you have. Salute. I don't know. I don't actually know. <laughs> I say well done. Is that right? Bon, 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 yeah, Bon, 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 Gale. Well done. Now to domestic news of the Alliance Premier 15s. The investigation into your club uh, Harlequins breach of the COVID minimum operating standards, which resulted in the disputes committee awarding Saracens that win in a five-match point. Due to the game being cancelled, Quins made an appeal. The decision of the committee was upheld. Was also then made an appeal that the game between them and Harlequins scheduled on the 9th of January but rearranged to February the 20th due to COVID situation at Quinns. The game will go ahead on the 20th. So that appeal sort of 
thrown out. Was will also have to wait to play DMP as the fixture. On Saturday the 13th was postponed due to a frozen pitch at Durham University ground. So, results from last weekend from the Premier 15s. DMP was, as we said, was postponed. Worcester, Exeter. Exeter with another win. Yeah, I, I think we both predicted that Exeter were going to win that, but my God, look at that score. 10-17, one try in it. Like for, for all our talking about Worcester, how we expect more from them, I, that is what we expect, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I haven't seen the highlights. I'd love to see how that game played out. Um, but, yeah, really pleased to see that, you know, Exeter have got another win on their sheet, but also Worcester are pushing the, the scores a lot closer than previous. Yeah, Bristol bounced back in the uh, the post-Kim Oliver period. I must just say, also, uh, Kim Oliver and Cat Merchant involved in the uh, the Ealing Academy alongside Henley College as well. So, yeah, congratulations for, for, for those two on those appointments. But her, her old side, Bristol, 22, Sale, 12. Good result for Bristol. Yeah, good for them to, to get back to winning ways. I think Sale, um, having spoken to a couple of girls, pretty disappointed about some easy opportunities that they give Bristol. But that's the story of Bristol. It's, you know, they're a very opportunist side. They've got someone like Jazz Joyce that can literally turn something into nothing. Um, so Sale will be quite disappointed that they weren't able to push that one. So I reckon with all the results so far with Bristol, they were probably targeting that one as, as an opportunity to, to beat them. Well, I mean, let's not talk about Jasmine Joyce. Let's talk about Simi. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, Woo-hoo. my God, what a try. Simi Pam. I mean, that was a well try. Wow. Unbelievable. Incredible stuff. If you haven't seen it, go on. Um, yeah, yeah, it's all over social media. Simi Pam's try. Um, unbelievable. Perhaps she just utter frustration. She's been working on the front line all this time as well. And uh, perhaps she's just utter frustration. But incredible pace uh, yeah. from a prop. Thank goodness I'm not playing anymore. Um. <laughs> These props aren't like used to like normal props. I mean, Shauna Brown, Sarah Bird, um, Hannah Bottomman, like they've all got a turn of pace. They've got strong weight behind them, but they can shift it. Yeah, they've got game. Saracens 36, Gloucester 10, great to see Bryony Cleal back. Yeah, she's had a real you know, bad run of reoccurring injuries and so yeah, really pleased to see her back in action. Um she's always gonna be a handful and had a good really good impact. I expected um Gloucester to push this game a little bit um closer if I'm honest. Um just knowing the talent that they have within their side. I thought, you know, in previous times as well their their last encounter obviously this season wasn't as close but they have been a lot closer um, seasons before, so but it looks like the Saracens, the champions, are, are back to, to their good ways and, and things are coming together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It was surprised to see the, the, the difference of the scorelines there. And, and the final result of the weekend was you guys going down 20 points to 17 at home to Loughborough Lightning. Um, that's a couple on the spin now. Air for concern yeah. or just love for better on the day? I think, you know, we didn't manage the game particularly well. The conditions were really tough. The, the wind was really hard and we had that in the first half and, and that can take a lot out of you. Um, but we, look, we didn't execute again. Not as similar story as um, 
what we had in Exeter. But we had plenty of opportunities, and you know, we're not worried. I think we'd be worried if um, you know we hadn't created any opportunities and we were really poor. I mean, three points in it, like the week four, one point in it. I think if you're getting, you know, if it, the score was. 20 points to nil then you start getting concerned but when the games are tight like that and you know they had some brilliant players and we just spoke there about the types of props and we've had her on here before um, the league uh, Manning was unbelievable line breaking causing lots of stress and in our back line through the middle making us have to recover really hard and you know we just we weren't able to to just find the way in the end um, but you know we've said it in, in our circle the, these times are really useful as long as you do something with it and you don't just allow that experience to just brush it under the carpet oh that's not like us it's actually no let's really learn from it so um, yeah and look we've, we've not really been in these positions before so like I said it, it's good learnings nobody wants to lose but you can take a lot from it and you know Loughborough they executed really well Helena played really well with the boot and Miss Garrett the same thing they marshalled the, the, their defence really well on the edges and yeah I mean we are missing a few players as well but as were they so you know we're well up for it and you know unfortunately we couldn't find a way to finish at the end well it- Two, two things around that. I mean, if you're, if you're a Quinns fan, it's not the easiest question to, to ask or, or answer, but, um, you know, that's uh, the, the nature of, of, of what we do with, with the pod. If you're a Quinn supporter, you're so used to winning, as, as you've just said. There have been some changes in, in the coaching and uh, management uh, uh, above uh, Harlequins. That's a couple of losses now. Added to that, the, the, the Saracens loss. How, how worried should, should, should supporters be worried at all? No, uh, I mean, for us, we don't see that as a Saracens loss because we haven't had a chance to play it. It's been taken out of our hands and, you know, it is what it is. I think uh, we've had lots of changes, but this whole year has been very difficult to manage in loads of different circumstances. And, you know, like I said, I think if, if we were getting, you know, 50 pointers against us and having no answers and not being able to create anything and do anything, then... Yeah, I would say supporters would probably would be worried, but we're not in that position and our fans are very supportive of us. And I think, you know, you look at our team sheet, we're developing even more depth because, you know, at the weekend we had, what, seven starting players not playing as well. So we're if we're pushing teams close with a lot of, you know, our, um, you know, big, bigger names, should I say, out then that's a great place for the club for the future, not just for what's happening week in, week out, but, you know, for the likes of our players to get more game time and, and high-pressure situations, then actually we're developing our whole squad of 40 in a much better light for the future years to come. Ours is like a true, well-media-trained club captain. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's genuine, though. That is genuine. Like, we obviously, we miss a lot of our players. They give us so much, but, you know, it's about our whole squad as a, as a group and, and hopefully, you know, it's going to make us better in the long run. Yeah, look, we, 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 with this podcast, we, we're trying to attract the wider women's uh, rugby audience as well, and those who probably not seen it, and they just used to seeing Quinns win all the time. There's a couple of losses on the bounce, hence, hence the question. Anyway, um, the, the other point I just wanted to make about that was, as you say, really, really tight games, and, and the fact that you are being stretched and there's a couple of losses there, it's going to make for such an exciting end of the season, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think, like, you know, take my Quinn's hat off and I'm somebody who's just a rugby fan and, and looking at the league. 
it's amazing that it's not just Saracens and Harlequins in the race. I think, put my hat back on, you know, there's so much competition, it makes it a lot harder as a player, but actually, it's the best thing for the league, and, you know, great for the fact that we've had Allianz come in to be the new sponsor this year. They want to have these tight games, they want to have different upsets, you know, it causes stories, it gets people looking in, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you know, previously, maybe there wasn't many people around Loughborough that supported Loughborough Lightning, and now they're seeing that they're beating, you know, the the last two finalists' teams. That, so then suddenly you've got a, a new look in because it's a little bit more exciting. So it's brilliant for the league, um, and yeah, it's just every week, you know, you can't you can't switch off. You can't you can't even you know some of the teams. You know, you look at even DMP, Worcester, and maybe Sale, where you would say they're in the bottom half of the league. You know, they've still got absolute quality across their whole team. So if you're not on your game, there's any chance and any every possibility that they can turn you over as well. So I think, you know, the league is in a really, really good place considering everything that's gone on this year as well. Um, it, it bodes well for the future. It certainly does. Um, well, all of that means that the Saracens leading the way uh, with 50 points, having played 11. Loveborough Lightning... Uh, in second on 43 but played 12 then you guys Quinns with a game less on 42 points uh, that final semi-final spot is taken by Wasp they've only played 10 and sit on 39 points then Exeter still very much in the running with 34 points Gloucester Hartbury and Bristol on 25 Worcester Sale and DMP the only fix of this weekend is you guys against Wasp another fascinating game I guess you're going for, for a win but how much are you looking forward to that one? Yeah, you know, we've watched Wasp closely and how they've improved over over the season and we know all that they've got threats across the whole park. So, you know, it's in, we're in for another really tough day and it's going to take 70 minutes to, to secure a win against them, but we're going to have to be really accurate and, and, you know, play in the right areas and execute when we get in those areas. Um, you can't underestimate, you know, Players like Meg Jones, Ellie Kildan, Harriet Miller-Mills, you know, they are players who are game changers and we've got to make sure that we don't let them get into the game. Indeedy so. There's all your news wrapped up neatly into a little news parcel. Hi, I'm Helena Rowland and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Always like to support and uh, partnership with really, really good causes. And our next guest, Simon Chower, a man who has put actions into words and has started Brave Mind, the mental health charity that is founded. It's got his epicenter within rugby. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the pod Simon from Brave Mind, who launching today. Um, so what a great day to, to, to have you on the pod. Simon, good morning. Everything well your end? Everybody safe and well in these strange times? No, absolutely, mate. Great to be talking to you. Um, it's a busy day for us, as you just said. Um, early doors we've been uh, launching via our social media channels, um, and it's going a bit crazy. It's early doors now, and it's only been a couple of hours, and um, yeah, the phone is lighting up quite quickly. Well, that's brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic news. <laughs> T- tell us, tell us, Simon, then, then about the about the the Brain Mind journey then so far. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's been a it's been a, a rapid journey. So, Brain Mind, um, well, I started it in September 2020. So only what five five six months ago. Very personal um, 
reasons for me. You know, I've experienced poor mental health um, from an early age um, and uh, and also been involved with rugby from a very early age. Um, suffered with a bad injury, so when I was around 25, 26, I had to stop playing um, and just never really uh, reached the, the heights that I wanted to. Um, and um, sort of from there, uh, I'd been out of the game for such a long time. Um, I moved house, well, I joined a local club um, called Maidenhead. Um, I met some fantastic people down there, helped out with the second 15. Um, and whilst I was down there, um, there was a young lad that joined um, and he was extremely open about his mental health and the journey that he was currently on and been on. And it was really refreshing for me uh, to see how open he was and positive about it. And, you know, from that point, it sort of sparked an idea in my head that I just thought, you know what, um, there needs more needs to be done within the rugby community, uh, in my opinion, around mental health. Um, and this was all before um, sort of uh, lockdown happened and the COVID pandemic happened. Um, uh, last summer, I did a, a mental health first aid course. Uh, with Mental Health England, just I just wanted to get a bit more information um, and have a bit of a deeper dive into that subject matter. Yeah. And do you know what? It's such a broad area. Um, I was completely overwhelmed. You know, it was you know, from depression, anxiety to eating disorders, schizophrenia. Um, it, it was in, you know, incredible to see what you know such issues out there for people. Um, met some amazing people on that course. You know, from teachers, uh, ex-military. Um, and off the back of that, you know, I just said, right, I'm going to, you know, start. Um, I had a chat with my brother um, <clears throat> and he said, yeah, go for it. And that was that was in September. Um, and then when I'd you know, put a logo together and put it out on my small social media um, <laughs> channel, <laughs> um, I got an amazing response from guys that I used to play with, um, uh, business contacts, ex-coaches. And it was amazing to hear that people had been on similar journeys to me. And I was like, wow, you know, I didn't know that. You know, um, uh, one guy who was a, a number eight, you know, huge leader on the pitch. Um, but underneath all of that, you know, when we met and had a beer, he was a really sensitive guy and very vulnerable. And, you know, we had a really open conversation. And, yeah, from there, Johnny, it's just uh, snowballed. And, you know, we're now five, six months along the line. And for charity... Um, we've, we've met some amazing people. We're talking to amazing people like yourself, uh, and our overall vision is, you know, all about action. You know, working with clubs, schools to put mental health at the same kind of level as physical health, and you know, in the heart of their community. And you know, we all want, um, you know, talking about and supporting each other with mental health the norm. People are passionate about these things, um, and that's very, very clear, clear to hear. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased that something like this has, has come along. And yeah, there's, there's a few others in there, loose heads and, and blokes and what have you. Um, you know, for, for me, um, when, when you and I got in contact, the, the mental side of, of the, uh, away from the, the mental sort of health side, but actually, rugby itself trains 95% of the body. But, but so little uh, of the mind and actually 
when you look at the tight games, especially international level, they're actually one in the top three inches. So I, I, I just it's always bemused me that, that the mind isn't uh, looked after better. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm a big factor on verba type chap. You know, actions, not words, um, and that's yeah. what really appealed to me about what you were doing because there's a really, really clear plan going forward as to, to what you're doing. Just. As you roll this out, just give us the steps you would like to take. So you're involved with Henley. If Henley's your, your case study, in the next six months, year, two years, what are we going to see at Henley that we could see, at, hopefully for you and Brave Minds and everyone else, uh, around the country in years to come? Yeah, so we're really fortunate about Henley and, and really grateful that they've agreed to, to trial this with us. It's very much a pilot programme. Um, so, you know, we're at the early stages of that. It was only launched sort of last week. Um but, you know, I'm an ex-Henley player um, and three or four others um, as part of the Breakline team are ex-Henley players. So, you know, we've got a good relationship with the DOR and, and the management there. So it, it's fantastic. What we're about is going in there and creating a community within Henley Rugby Club. You know, all of that needs to sit with their values as a club. Yeah. But from one thing I forgot to mention was, you know, this is around, um, this is from grassroots all the way through to top flight. You know, we've all got mental health. Um, and that's from youth, uh, women's and the senior game. Um, you know, with Henley, we'll go in. Um, we've got a three sort of pillared module. Yep. The first is discovery, connection and growth. Um, I won't go into too much detail around each one, but, um, you know, that's the sort of the, the model that we're going to be talking them through. You know, there'll be a select group of people within the club that they will put forward to become... I guess Brave Mind champions, so they will create a, a team within the club environment that will drive this topic going forward. You know, I want, um, you know, parents, uh, her coaches, the head coach, the second team coach, the fourth team coach, you know, there needs to be key individuals within the club that will drive this topic. Um, and that's the exciting part. And, you know, after the, this pilot, we'll sit down with the club, we'll review it, we'll critique it, we'll look at things that, you know what, that didn't work. But this was an absolute gem over here. Um, and at that point, when we've got this model that we feel is, um, you know, is, is scalable, and we think it is, you know, we'll obviously look to approach other clubs. And, you know, we're a charity, so fundraising is very important. We need to connect with local businesses um, and to really push and push and push. Because I think, as I said, you know, a lot more can be done um, and getting in there, especially from an early age. So, so effectively, in, in very much layman's terms, so if I had a sore calf, um, unlikely because I don't actually go beyond a walk, but if, <laughs> if, I, if I had a sore calf, I would go to the club physio, right? Yep. If I've got a, a, a mental issue or something I'm not particularly happy about, I go to a Brave Mind champion, and it's, exa- it's almost exactly the same as, as going to a physio for a physical ailment. Uh, absolutely, and, and part of our programme is... Um, uh, educating, you know, a set group of people within Henley Rugby Club as, uh, as mental health first aiders. So, um, you know, exactly like a physical first aider, you know, we're not saying that they will be mental health experts, but what we, they will be able to do is have those conversations and signpost as players, um, coaches or whoever within the club um, to support and to, and to help. You know, that's it's creating a, a safe environment within rugby clubs and schools in a non-judgmental way, that it's you know it's okay to talk about those things. Um, and one critical point is 
those mental health first aiders need to be, and this is my personal opinion, need to be part of the senior setup. So, you know, we need a head coach in there. Um, you know, we need the first team captain in there. We need leaders within the club that will drive this forward. Yeah, because um, I know that's key for me. Because if, if you don't, then, you know, we need, um, uh, what's the word? It's, you know, it's just value, isn't it? And just showing the, the, the people that this is taken seriously. Um, and it's a, a huge part of the rugby club's identity. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. Yeah, apologies for interrupting. You. Yeah, always filters down, down from the top. Just, just two more questions, if we may, sign with your your phone buzzing away there, like the bat phone or whatever <laughs> this morning. Um, one would be, and I suspect a question: if if somebody's in in a, in a really bad way, and you you go to a, what one of your helpers, what's what's that channel to to then go slightly further? Because as you say. Um, yeah, it's a delicate area, and you know, not, let's not shy away. Especially during these lockdown, you know, suicide rates have have, have massively increased. Um, if they're not sort of professional mental health experts, how how close is, is that help, and and where's that link? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know what we're looking at is sort of urgent support and non-urgent support. Yeah. So as you as you probably say, you know, suicide crisis, etc. It's you know, you need to get help immediately. Um, so obviously you've got the, the, the 999 immediate medical help nearest A&E um, uh, you know talk to someone you know try and keep safe um, you know all of, all of these different things you know we're, we're there to, to signpost people at the end of the day but if a player has got those um, suicidal feelings um, then there are people there to notice those you know that's what the mental health first aid course does is they'll be able to spot signs early yeah, yeah. Um and um, direct those to immediate help. Really, really appreciate your time this morning. I know it's a busy morning. Thank you, thank you so very, very much. Wish you all the, all the very, very best. And certainly, personally, uh, and, and the WRP will be there with you every step of the way to try and help and and, and do whatever we we can. Um, because not only is it uh, a subject close close to my heart, as you know, but close to home, and but but also it's just the it's just the right thing to do, and it and it's just not done enough. And you, you know, you're very much uh, action action. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Into it. So well, thank you, thank you, Johnny. Um, you know, for letting me come on and have a chat. It's, you know, as I say, it's a very important topic to myself personally. Um, and you know, if anybody out there is looking to get involved, you know, we're on Insta, we're on Twitter, Facebook, website, bravemind.co.uk. Um, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and as I said, it's, it's across the whole youth, women's, men's. You know, we've all got mental health, right? Absolutely, yeah, it, it is. It is open for all. Simon, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Um, all the best today and for the future. Thanks, Johnny. Catch up soon. I am Shona Pell Hughes, and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Well, that's about it for this week. Berth, good luck against Wasps. All the best in, in that one. We'll just urge everyone, uh, if you haven't already, please, please subscribe, share, uh, rate, get us out there at Pod Women's Rugby. Who's on next week, Berth? Well, we're going down under. We're going to Australia to the Melbourne Ribbons head coach, Elena Thomas, who is also recently appointed Fijian women's assistant coach as well. So we're going to check out everything that's going on down under there. 
Yeah, yeah. Just for everyone's clarification, down under, not in Poland, as per uh, Berth's accent there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, is Alana's, the accent not any good? Uh, no, I'm, oh, no. I'm saying, saying nothing. Uh, accept and build. Accept and build. Yeah, Alana is. I think my Aussie accent's quite good, actually. Right. Okay. Well, perhaps. Get yeah, Elena on. Elena's going to join us next week. That's pretty good. Come on. Right. I mean, we can ask Elena. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Conduct the entire uh, interview. <laughs> With the accent, and, and we'll see how how far we get, how how noisy it gets within a couple of minutes. Yeah, Alana is part of, part of that um, World Rugby initiative to to get coaches, um, female coaches, in amongst the uh, international teams leading up and to and into the World Cup. So, her from South Africa this week, Fiji next week. Might just thank our guest today, Zinge Duwande from South Africa. Yeah, really exciting times in South Africa. And Simon Chow from Brave Minds. Um, yeah, if you can get behind Brave Minds and everything that, that Simon is doing, then, then please do check out our socials, uh, my socials as well, for, for all that, as uh, being one of the uh, members of the advisory board. It's um, yeah, a brilliant, brilliant uh, cause, and uh, yeah, do get involved. Stay safe, everyone. Good luck against Wasp Birth, and we will see you next week. Until next time.